This episode is dedicated to Bricks G for becoming our newest Southpaw supporter and helping to make this project possible. This is Sam. This is Jason. And this is Fight Study. On this fight study, Jason and I will be going over the results of UFC Fight Night, Hermanson versus Strickland, and then preview UFC 271. In the main event, Sean Strickland defeated Jack Hermanson via split decision, placing Strickland that much closer to a title shot. At middleweight, Nick Maximoff defeated Punahili Soriano by split decision. At welterweight, Shafkot Rachmanov defeated Carlston Harris via spinning wheel kick KO at 4 minutes and 10 seconds of round 1. At light heavyweight, Brendan Allen defeated Sam Alvey by rear naked choke 2 minutes and 10 seconds of round 2. At middleweight, Brian Battle defeated Treshawn Gore by unanimous decision. At catchweight, 149, Julian Erosa defeated Steven Peterson by split decision. At bantamweight, John Castaneda defeated Miles Johns by arm triangle at 1 minute and 38 seconds of round 3. At featherweight, Hakeem Dawadu defeated Michael Trezano by unanimous decision. At middleweight, Chidi Njikwani defeated Marc-Andre Berriolt by KO punches at 16 seconds of round 1. At women's bantamweight, Alexis Davis defeated Julia Stoliorenko by unanimous decision. At light heavyweight, Dalton Almeida defeated Danilo Marquez by TKO punches at 2 minutes and 57 seconds of round 1. At welterweight, Philip Rowe defeated Jason Witt by TKO punches at 2 minutes and 15 seconds of round 2. At flyweight, Malcolm Gordon defeated Dennis Bondar by TKO arm injury at 1 minute and 22 seconds of round 1. Now let's talk about Hermanson versus Strickland. Jason, what did you think about this fight and how the momentum kept shifting more and more towards Strickland? Strickland started with the jab, and that's basically the story of the fight. Remember when we had Dan Tom on and he spoke of uh, the term layered offense? You know, it's a really good insight, right? It's a great insight from an excellent analyst, you know, which I take to mean working to establish something and build off of it. You know, if you consider Who's a good example? Uh, Robert Whitaker establishes the right hand and then lets you slip to to your outside while he throws that right straight and then sneaks the the right head kick immediately behind it. And he's letting something build or grow off of the the attack the techniques he establishes. Um, and we can get into greater detail about that going down 271's main event. But my point being is that in this fight, from both fighters, from Hermanson and Strickland, it was a rinse and repeat of the same like Mediocre fighting and banality in rounds one through five. You know? um, and like it was because Strickland, Hermanson couldn't do anything with Strickland's jab in his face. He was fighting round one pretty well, but then began to fight worse as the fight progressed, basically punching without looking. And I think it's to your point, it's because of that jab, right? Yeah, like solely. And Strickland, like, who has a solid one, two, didn't really use his two all that often. He threw a few kicks, um, but if if you can't contend with a singular weapon, you know, uh, they, you would like to see Strickland, who wants to vie for a title opportunity, um, add a little bit more to it. But he didn't really have to, and the the wrestling entries were so bad and just like poorly done from a, a guy fighting in the top ten from Hermanson that it was like it was odd to see him go to those over and over and with relative ease sort of just like see grip on the head pushing the head away pushing the head down strickland fought off those those attempts and hermanson seemed to you know he he didn't look as tired but he didn't look as fresh as he did in round one which i would would argue was probably hermanson's best round in our preview for this fight we talked about how calculated strickland is and how he sees everything so as much of a caveman as he tries to be even at the end when he wanted to brawl, 
he still was very measured and was looking for his spots. Dude sounds like a brawler, but he can't get himself to brawl even if he wants to. He's actually an intelligent fighter, which actually makes him more dangerous and scary. I think that's a great point. And this is where, like, this is my hypocrisy, where I'm going to give him shit about being an intelligent fighter only because he shits on intelligent fighters all the time. And his hypocrisy seems to know no bounds. Now, I want to see Sean Strickland fight with the confidence of a man uh, that, that isn't afraid to use the same I'm a piece of shit with money joke, what no less than four times in 20 minutes, right? Like, like, fuck. Either Strickland doesn't know the term fighting conservatively when saying fighting like a pansy, or he himself gets a little triggered when the word conservative is used with any negative connotation, right? There's nothing wrong with fighting conservatively, especially when you think that you can position yourself to fight for a title if you don't make any unforced errors against a guy in Hermanson, which... And I'd like to see Strickland admit this. Hermanson, and I said this on, on our last episode, Hermanson does not look good striking, but he can crack a little bit. And 185ers are pretty big, and you don't want to run into something. So being a little more measured, a little more conservative, and winning the fight, which I had it easily five rounds to none, maybe four rounds to one if you want to give Hermanson round one. But... If you watch his body of work, only against guys that can't handle very rudimentary pressure, does he walk down and beat down? You know, um, hell, even like uh, I was pretty high on Brendan Allen for a while, but you watch Brendan Allen didn't handle straightforward pressure all that well, and when he tried to counter it with walking straight forward, he ran into some some pretty easily like some non disguised straight techniques from smiling Sam Alvey of all fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Considering Strickland's overall body of work, um, I think it, it's the shtick is sort of what 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 makes what makes him dangerous, you know. But the reality of it is, what what makes him a difficult fight is how calm he is, relatively conservative he is, and he doesn't make a whole lot of unforced errors. He throws you off because of the way he talks before the fight, and then. A lot of times he talks during the fight, so he he makes you not calm while he'll remain calm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And he does that, what I say, rinse and repeat. He does it over and over and over again. And if you have a, a, an eye for fighting, I can't see any skilled judge objectively giving the fight to Hermanson. I, I, there's no way. In, in really any category except for maybe striking awkwardness or poor takedown entries. Even Hermanson knew he lost. Yeah, right. Hermanson knows better. Like, neither. It wasn't a great fight, entertainment wise, and uh, it wasn't overly impressive in terms of fight IQ from from either individual. Other than the fact that um, Strickland stayed with with what was working, and he didn't take didn't take a lot of damage. He's a guy who wants to fight uh, with a relatively short turnaround, and he he fought five rounds against. A, a stiff puncher, even if he's a relative, relatively poor puncher in, in Hermanson, but he didn't take a bunch of damage. So he's put himself in position to fight again. So you got to give some credit to IQ points there. But in terms of defi- defining yourself as one type of fighter and looking at your body of work, like I even bought into it. And I think if you listen to um, our last episode, like I thought it would be more fireworks because I thought you wouldn't see so much. Um, straight back up with like high elbow defense from uh, from Strickland throughout the fight. And I thought his ability to counter would be a little bit better. But maybe that is attributed somewhat to the awkwardness of Hermanson. And um but I think I texted you if if Hermanson keeps dipping off to the to his right, trying to slip that jab and then like lunging straight forward, then a left head kick could put him to sleep if if uh, Strickland decided to even throw one. And he started doing it towards the end. Yeah. It clipped him one time, got real close to landing flush. Yeah, at some point, you're going to have to do that. Um, and I I don't want to get into the don't leave it to the judges. Like that, that's, that's silliness because, I mean, you're fighting top 10 guys in the world. Sometimes you're going to go to a decision. Um, and if if you don't like, don't don't define the sport of mixed martial arts by what 
fucked up interpretation of the rules you allow to awkwardly be implemented <laughs> to 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 negatively affect uh, a fair and impartial decision and then don't come with your cl- cliched bullshit catchphrase well don't leave it to the judge as well at some point i think we have to take a look at um the the objectivity of the judges or is it that that they love the the judging being so random that if they if they have to leverage anyone as my conspiracy theory and let some fuckery be afoot that it does hey this always happens you know it, don't leave it in the hands of the judges well it seems like uh, but that's my conspiracy theory i have no no factual basis to back that up whatsoever i mean the ufc very much leverages bad judging to tell people to fight rock and sock them yeah right that's that's what they want um and uh, you don't see the praises of guys who who fight in a, a more methodical manner when they need to be that should be rewarded a bit more and not just hey um throw caution to the wind and be a, a commoditized bad fighter so this was strickland's first big test if cannoneer or brunson get injured after their fight strickland might end up fighting the winner of adesanya versus whitaker just because he's available so with that in mind, if he does fight the winner, let's say it's Adesanya, how do you think Strickland matches up against Adesanya? Uh, very poorly, regardless of, <laughs> of, what, of what he said in that post-fight interview. I know he mentioned it, but he doesn't He doesn't match up very well. Strickland backs straight up time and time again. And I know that like, Izzy isn't like a massive forward pressure fighter, but unless Strickland is, is reserved to the point where it becomes the most boring fight since um i guess izzy romero then like that's that's strickland's best shot and then who's he going to blame about fighting like a pansy when he really he really wants to use the word pussy but he understands what an what an asshole he sounds like whenever he dances around that term so uh that that who's he blame that so he and he wouldn't be able to handle Whitaker's pressure and ability like Whitaker throws a lot of same side attacks so if you think you're going to back straight out all the time his secondary and tertiary and he has a, a more attacks and his layered offense um he'll track you down if you back straight out and he's just not going to ram his head into your hip and just sit there and hug you until his arms are tired while the referee breaks it then you go back to your jab like if anyone thinks that that's how that's going to play out with um with Whitaker, I take that back because they're out of their fucking minds. <laughs> so he matches up poorly with both Whitaker and Adesanya. Yeah, I actually think he would. He would. It would be more competitive against Adesanya because maybe less would happen. You know, but if you think if you think you're going to walk Adesanya, I don't think he would try to walk Adesanya down with the jab because he really didn't try to walk Hermanson down with the jab all that much. They didn't put a two, he didn't put a two behind it. So if you think you're going to fight a one-handed jab fest against a six-foot-four um, Adesanya, who is uh, a dual threat in kicking and punching, um, you're going to have your hands full. If he were to do anything against Adesanya, he would have to be more layered in his approach. Like I said earlier, he certainly was not. Neither fighter in between Hermanson and Strickland were layered in their approach. But um, if if Strickland were to get that that shot against Izzy, he would have to be to stand any chance. Now let's preview some fights from UFC 271. I already sent my picks out to the patrons, so I've already given some background for the main event. But to review, Adesanya and Whitaker last fought in 2019, with Adesanya winning by KO in round two. Since their last meeting, Whitaker has beaten Darren Till, Jared Cadenier, and Kelvin Gastelum. In that same time, Adesanya has beaten Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa, then moved up to 205 and lost to champion Jan Bohovic, then defended his belt against Marvin Vittori. One X factor is whether moving up to light heavyweight and coming back down hurt Adesanya in some way, but it's hard to say since his style doesn't require loss of speed or power. Jason, let's talk paths to victories. What does Israel Adesanya have to do to beat Robert Whitaker? Oh, I think that depends a lot on on how Whitaker approaches the the fight. You know, if if you see Whitaker take the same approach where he started with big shots and was overly aggressive, but he started even though he started fast, he missed big. Um, Izzy needs to be patient, pick up on that timing, and he'll he'll eat that style up. 
Uh, as much as I like Robert Whitaker, that kind of style is tailor-made for Israel Adesanya. If Whitaker decides to jab in sort of with his head off to the side, uh, almost looking to the ground at some point or at some top points in the fight, um, and Izzy at what, 6'3", 6'4", and I think Robert Whitaker, is he 5'11"? They say he's 5'11", but is he? Like, I don't know. Maybe he's 5'10", 5'10 and a half. But um, he doesn't look all that tall, especially relative to um, to Adesanya. So you're going to... I don't think you're going to see a wrestle fest from Whitaker, but it needs to be a little bit more of a relaxed mix so that he can problem solve. Also, if it's strictly Israel Adesanya doing the problem solving based on um, based on Whitaker's forward offense, then it's it's going to be an ugly fight for Whitaker again. So if he's a, if he's a little more patient um, and lets the fight play out. Uh, then I think maybe he can he can do some more things. He's definitely got a very diverse skill set. And we talked about his throwaway shots earlier in the segment um, where he'll throw like that one-two over and over, and then he'll throw that one-two, and he'll motion the two. He doesn't even care if it lands. Watch as you slip outside, and he'll kick off of that. But when you're, fight, when you're fighting a guy who's 6'4", 6'3", but fights very tall and is able to, to give ground and hit that drop step as well as he does, um, and get and create distance. I mean, Israel's just not going to be there to be hit um, if you don't lead him somewhere. You know, I think I think head hunting uh, Izzy is a bad idea. You saw Vittori do it, and even though Vittori landed some jabs, when you land two out of like a fifteen punch sequence, even though the other guy doesn't land any because you missed thirteen, or maybe that's an exaggeration, but he missed like close to like seventy percent of his shots. Though you did jab him up twice, you look like you're getting styled on. And there is, there, you got to consider fatigue and you also got to figure, hey, if someone only ate two jabs, yeah, they didn't win that sequence, but there's a lot of data they were able to analyze and parse. And you were showing some things. And you know, I'm, I didn't come up with the term, I'm stealing this from someone else and said, Israel Adesanya is a computer. He is able to take that data. And the more you, you throw at him without, something um disruptive and you allow him to just think and tabulate data well it, things will get worse as the fight unfolds and he's allowed to parse more and more information what game plan do you think robert whitaker comes in with for this fight what adjustments do you think him and his team are going to make well i think they're going to they're going to try to work high and low a little more uh that's the adjustment i think like you said that you're the one who told me he was working with uh, Kaskazoo's, uh boxing coach. Yeah, Johnny Lewis. So um, maybe a more disciplined boxing positioning without giving up that lead leg, and that's the problem. Like, can can you do that in a traditional boxing stance within an MMA fight, or are they working a hybrid boxing wrestling offense to disrupt some timing and rhythm? And I think. I said this before, I, I like Robert Whitaker a lot. He's one of my favorite fighters, and I like the way he fights. A lot of the techniques he goes to that are his bread and butter, I, I think, um, I swear by. And I think a lot of fighters would be really well served to implement them um, into their arsenal. But unfortunately for Robert Whitaker, I think Izzy is tailor-made to eat up that style. It's based on physical attributes over and overall skill set. I'd love to be wrong, not because I dislike uh, dislike Izzy, because I don't. I'd love to be wrong because I'd like to see like how Whitaker and his camp could problem solve for Izzy, so that I can steal that information and make, <laughs> make myself a better analyst and, and better coach. So, um, but after looking at uh, some fight footage and some fight study of both, you know, I think if you tried to go like jab to the head, two to the body, come upstairs with that hook and followed in with a wrestling sequence. I think Israel Adesanya moves too well and he counter punches too well, especially with that sneaky, weird little lean back left hook that he hits um, and manages distance so well that I, I don't know if, if Whitaker has the physical tools at 5'11 to make that work. Now, let's say the fight is over. Whitaker did win. What do you think he did to win that fight? 
do you see it as he kept it mostly standing and he beat him in striking? Or do you think he won the decision? See how even in my what-if scenario, I don't see him finishing. (laughs) So I'm saying if he had somehow won a decision, do you think it was either him winning the striking battle or it was him getting takedown after takedown? Well, I don't think it even needs to be either. I think if he can win one round definitively, either if he, I know it's MMA and anything can happen, but if he clipped Izzy and was able to take his back and ride out or land in half guard, and like solidify at least one round that you know what he won, and even Sal Diamato couldn't give to Israel Adesanya. You know, if you know he could at least solidify one, and if that round was early enough that he could fight in a way that like, he could he could be conservative enough and reserved enough to put a little cage time, a little a little stall and brawl, um, you know, chip away with some short shots, um, maybe sneak another round. Then you know, then it becomes if one is a, a slu- one round is a slugfest and a coin flip. You know, you, I think that's how you get there. You have to solidify at least one round of the first two, and I think it needs to be definitive because you see too much that you know you think you won you won a round, and uh, I guess it's MMA and judging doesn't really count. So you want to make sure you solidify at least one round on the judges' scorecards, and then. You game it up a little bit. You make sure you you win another round with either a takedown or positioning late. Um, and, you know, you'd be smart about it. But if you try to just spam forward, fingers crossed, thinking you're going to come with something big. And that was part of Whitaker's problem. When he first started round one against Izzy in that first fight, he had a good idea of trying to punch his way in. But he was doing it at such distance that, Israel Adesanya was like, what are you doing? And like, you're not going to hit me with any of these stuff. This is just fluff that you're throwing in my way that, that wouldn't possibly hit me. So he wasn't really making up that distance. He was using like a jab and a wild overhand to try to make up that distance. And Adesanya was doing a nice little drop step and getting out of the way. And then he, Whitaker, all, all the the ground he made up there was just as much ground he needed to continue to make up based on the movement of Adesanya. So, uh, and Whitaker does pretty well at establishing stuff, does a good job of establishing his jab and then he'll hit that little drop step. So when you try to, to counter, I think he did that against Cannoneer. Boom, touched him with the jab and then Cannoneer tried to come back either hooking off that jab or coming back with a big two. And, um, and Whitaker was just gone, made a miss. And he'd go, jab, drop step, jab. Uh, drop step and he come back two three or three two and he go jab jab one two and then he started to disrupt Cannoneer's timing. The difference is Cannoneer's what five nine and Whitaker's five eleven and Adesanya six foot four. So thinking that you can implement sort of the the same fighting approach tactically uh, and, and achieve the same end result, I don't think is uh, going to be a path to victory for Whitaker. A note to our loyal listeners, if you love the Southpaw Project, please support us and help us get paid for our labor, by financially supporting us on Patreon. This will give you access to exclusive bonus content, as well as our private chat group on Discord. Show your Southpaw solidarity, by supporting us, at patreon.com, slash, southpawpod. Whitaker is an amazing offensive fighter, but you don't really think of him as a defensive fighter. Like when I think of defensive footwork to head movement, I don't think about Bobby Knuckles. Now, what I do think of when I think about him is speed. And I think he's gotten away with speed in the absence of sound defensive fundamentals. Sure, he knows how to slip and block, but because of his speed and the way he moves, his feet aren't often underneath him so that he can block and slip. That's what fans and amateur martial artists don't get. If you move too much, you can't actually defend because to defend, your feet need to be grounded so that you can move your upper body, which means you can use your feet to get out of the way or you can use your upper body movement to defend. You can move while defending, but that's like one or two steps at a time. You can't be doing crazy hair on fire footwork as Jason likes to call it 
or leaping around with both feet off the ground. And that's what I see when it comes to Whitaker is leaping in where both feet are off the ground, right? So in that moment where his feet are off the ground or he's not planted is often when he gets clipped. Even after he made adjustments and had a long layoff, when he fought Darren Till, that's when he got dropped, when his feet were off the ground and then he just ran right into his elbow. Yeah, right? Because he was he was out of position and he darts in heavy. So what what I what I like that, and we saw this more in the Cannoneer fight than I think the either the other fights, Till or Gastelum, was um, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think the six inch drop, that little drop step from Whitaker. And he doesn't use it, I mean, he uses it defensively to draw out a counter punch, but he does it so that he can counter the counter. And that's where he's pretty good. If he can get you moving out of position, like when he when he touches you with that right hand and you heavy slip to the outside, he put that kick behind it and let you run into it. But also because he he almost has like a good countermeasure to to how he fights because he will run himself out of position. And I think if you do that, if you run yourself out of position against a long fighter who's a bit of a sniper like Adesanya, or even a fighter, if you try to if you try to crowd Adesanya, you saw what happened, right? He got, he'll touch you with that left hook from six inches away. And he'll just kind of shift your shoulders and his chest back and he'll turn on you and let you run in and add some power to that shot. I think that's sort of the sneaky power that Adesanya has in his hands. And like you said, Bobby Knuckles is uh, a quick and like he moves his body mass in a forward direction really fast very quickly and if you do that he tends to keep his hands low so that he can punch at different angles and so that he's more mobile you do give up some defense with that and because he likes to put multiple strikes together um it's hard to to be a great counter striker off of your jab right hand right kick when you've initiated that um that fight sequence from the from the first step forward and I don't believe that Asanya is there to be hit often enough for that kind of layered attack to be the bread and butter for Bobby Knuckles. I don't see that as as a smart path to victory. I would love to be wrong, but and I I think I think it's a very very difficult difficult fight for Whitaker based on on the, the size advantage. But I think he is a smart enough in game enough fighter who has good enough conditioning that if he can sneak around somehow that might be able to to change the, the overall dynamic of the entire fight Whitaker darts in so he very much moves in these linear lines Adesanya moves three-dimensionally he'll move diagonal like laterally backwards forward in every direction right and one of the things he really does well is when he attacks he exits to your point even when Bobby Knuckles is being defensive, he's only being defensive to counter you. He's not just being defensive to avoid. Sometimes to avoid those shots, he actually just needs to be defensive, period. No trying to be defensive while countering. Just get out of the way. And he doesn't often exit when he is offensive because he hits you with multiple volume and he's waiting for you to get out of the way. So he stands where he is and he throws three or four things at you and he wants you to back up into the cage or step out. He himself won't attack and exit off himself, right? And I think he's gotten into a habit of that. That's why sometimes he will be in the pocket and get caught. So I think that ends up being a bad style matchup out of Sanya, who will dictate then what happens, whether he decides to stay in the pocket with you or whether he decides to exit. But if he decides to stay, it's because he's seen something and he's going to catch you while you're trying to counter him. No, absolutely. And Adesanya doesn't exit the exact same way off of your offense. And he tends to to still make you pay while he's exiting. He's not just, just bailing. If you punch yourself out of position, he will work to get outside of range, outside of your range from your offense. But just to pivot and position himself in his range to come back with counter offense. And that's incredibly disruptive to a pressure fighter uh, like Whitaker. When they get hit like that and the other person creates an angle as such that they're not in a position to be hit, but they're in a position to hit you, you know, that's, that's a fucking nightmare. And it, it's strange, right? Because we're, we're critiquing an offense 
from one of the better Whitaker, uh, the one of the best middleweights of all time in Whitaker. Right, he's beaten Gaslam, Cannoneer, Till, Romero twice, though one of those was a low iffy. Um, Jacare, who else? Brunson. Um, like he he starts Tavares, who is uh, underrated. Yeah, incredibly underrated. Though defensively negligent, can eat a shot. He still knocked him out in what the first minute, I think. It's difficult to say hey, in your last eleven fights. I know you've won ten, and they've all been fantastic. But how about you start doing this and this? But the, the problem with with Izzy and goddamn, I got to give uh, the UFC hype machine and Rogan a little bit of credit here is they identified Izzy as a bit of a problem stylistically early, right? And when you realize that this guy spent some time learning how to counter some wrestling and not be easily taken down because because Adesanya isn't easily taken down that given his, his skill set and like, he's, he's a really good kickboxer, but uh, Muay Thai style fighter, but you wouldn't call it. You put him in there against the best of the best. I don't think you would call him like a, the elite tactician, but he's been able to sort of morph his, his striking centric skill set for MMA just about as well as anyone probably in the history of the sport. He really has. He measures distance. He manages to not put himself in disadvantaged positions where he gives up his hips for an easy takedown. And that is part of the overall uh, striking for mixed martial arts and not just you know being great at, at uh, singular striking discipline in absence of the other skill sets. And we mentioned earlier how Whitaker is with a new boxing coach legendary trainer Johnny Lewis. But here's the thing. Whenever I see MMA people get with big name boxing trainers, I see their punches improve some, but not so much their defense. I think because defense is built up as an amateur on the way up. You know, most boxers start very young and that's where they learn the defense. So big name coaches expect you to come in with defense down already and they're going to work on tactics and, you know, how to win fights, right? But maybe it'll be different this time for Whitaker. And with this new trainer, we'll see a harder to hit Whitaker. But that's not what I've normally seen with MMA fighters who work with boxers. They just improve their offense, but not so much their defense. Right, very true. And I wish I wish I could be a fly on the wall in Whitaker's camp because the only footage that I've seen of him hitting pads has been that that running in one two one two one two one two right kick. One, two, one, two, over and over and over. And like, like I said earlier, that's that I think that's a fool's errand against Izzy. No exiting too, right? You know, when you're doing drills, even for the camera, there's some stuff that's just muscle memory, right? And so even if they're not trying to show too much, a fighter, you know, when they're hitting the pads, if they've been working on exiting, you'll see them just automatically do it. Whereas Whitaker does the thing that I told you about where he'll do his offense and then waits for the pad man to move. Yeah, right. And when you see Izzy, even when he's warming up, like doing his his crazy style bender stuff in the cage, there's always a pivot and a move. Like he's never he's never stationary targets. So when you talk about muscle memory, you can just see it in the bizarre dancing he does on the way to the cage. He is not his hips are never square. He's never directly in front of you, and he moves a certain way. Um, where Whitaker Whitaker moves sort of like a college wrestler, man. He sort of just like hunts you down, coming straight forward. And if you change your your angle on the exit, he'll just shift his hips and he'll follow, which is which is which would be all right if if it were a wrestling match. But when you have a guy that can kick from both sides and a guy that's shown that he can punch uh, with both hands and not easily taken down with that kind of pressure, it's been eaten up once. Um, and I don't I don't mean to harp on it. I'm really interested to see because to be fair, Whitaker's a smart fighter and the things that he's done have been uh, nuanced enough to work for him over and over again, going to similar techniques, but just with slight, when I say nuanced, I mean, very slight deviations in, in setup and positioning to get there. So um, I, and he's, he's got solid cardio. But the problem is, I think he his offense tends to be hittable. He was it was a little bit hittable against Till and against Cannoneer, um, though he won both of those fights handily. I don't think you want to be as hittable with your style, and, and I know I know Bobby Knuckles is incredibly durable as well 
I would challenge that because after his two fights with Romero, he does seem a lot more fragile. Like he almost seems like a glass cannon where the same shots he's hitting his opponents, if they catch him once with that, he's not going to be finished, but he's dropping. Yeah, but he's been in there with some pretty fucking heavy-handed bastards. Like Till, Till can punch a little bit. Cannoneer is a stiff puncher, and Gaslam's a stiff puncher. Um, but when you talk about like a murderous row, he's been in there. Like Brunson is a heavy hitter. Jacare is a heavy hitter. Yoel twice. Um, so and then you got Izzy when he got starched, and then you got Till, Cannoneer, and Gaslam. That how much of that before it starts to really wear on you, and you know, how, I forget how old is Whitaker. Whitaker's what thirty one. He's actually younger than Adesanya. Yeah, so he's not super old. But uh, when I say he's durable, his chin has managed to hold up against some guys who've who've put some people away with relative ease. Uh, but if you go to that well too many times against someone who's already put you away once, ah, you know, like those are some wars. Maybe especially the two the two Romero fights. That's why I feel like Whitaker is a bad matchup because he can survive heavy hitters because they might catch him once, but he might find his way back into the fight. But my point is, is now you don't even need to hit him that hard, actually, to drop him. So his worst matchup is actually against a precision striker who knows they don't need to hit that hard, but will keep fighting that shot over and over. Then that's the problem, right? It's somebody who takes a little bit off so they don't keep missing. And then keep hitting him. And I think that's why he had such a problem in their first fight. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, th- that's why I'm having a difficult time trying to trying to map it out. And that's what I try to do. I try to think, how would I fight so-and-so? How, especially with, like, if you gave me this guy. If I had a job interview for, for Robert Whitaker and they said, all right, what's the game plan for, for Izzy? I'd be like, catch me on the next one. All right? <laughs> I'm going to sit this one out. My shoulder hurts. Um, we'll, fig- we'll figure it out next time around. Because I would have trouble coming up with like an A plus game plan, I know, I know Robert Whitaker wrestles pretty well, and it seems to have improved. But I don't want to buy into the hype of the um, the UFC uh, what um, uh, what is it the embedded videos? I it, I'm sure he's given greater emphasis to his wrestling, and that is there's a strong suit for him that he can implement if he decides to more. But I don't know that if he's going to go with a wrestling heavy attack, if he wants to to sneak it in and he was explosive enough to land a few uh, like blast doubles, I don't think I, mean, I don't think he is. But if he were able to like that, that would be great. And I would say maybe that's a path to victory. But I think Izzy gives ground too much and is too is like too aware of his hips and isn't random with his offense to the point where he gives up easy, easy takedowns. Romero couldn't find it. Romero couldn't at all. And whenever he, if, if you do back him up against the, the cage, he's so long, he does that split stance and he turns his hip. And I think he's one of those guys that might be stronger than they look. Um, but he understands like, the wizard, he understands working for underhooks, bumping and creating a little bit of space to get his hips off the cage, to get his button back off the cage. And when he does get sort of like a turned position where his legs are no longer pinned against the cage, like he'll throw some knees and he'll, he'll, if you exit randomly, he'll, he'll score with, with some elbows or he'll score with something on the exit. And he's not giving, he's not giving up any, any weak offense or random offense when he exits from the cage. Maybe, maybe a smarter man than me can come up with it with a good game plan and then I could steal it and then use it in a, a, a fight breakdown in, <laughs> later. But hey, this sport's only been around for 20 some years. We're all sort of like learning on the fly. I'd like to take a, this is something I'd like to, to take a look at from uh, Dan Tom's perspective. I think Whitaker would have to do what Michael Bisping did against Anderson Silva. You know, Michael Bisping is very high volume normally. Right. But in that fight, he was very measured, very slow, and he took his time and he just kind of took the rounds like one by one. Right. Yeah. What if you can sneak like a very, very low volume round in, in round one? Right? What if you do that? And then and then you catch uh, one of Izzy's kicks and you put him on his back and then you just sort of 
not the not the the best ground control but you sort of pin one hand to the ground you get some heavy heavy you get wrist control you get heavy pressure you start busting them in the ribs a little bit but you just stay active enough to spend two minutes on top if it goes back to the feet you don't take any unnecessary risks you pin them against the cage and if you have to pick someone nine nine times out of a hundred you're going to say that Whitaker takes that round if you can do that and you get up to two rounds to none and then you force Izzy to have to be a little more offensive a little more aggressive then you can start doing some things so you have to be a little bit patient because i think if you give away the first two rounds via over aggression or giving too much information to izzy for him to to parse then then you start fighting like the desperate fighter and we've seen it time and time again izzy eats that shit up jan blahovich tested that out right he slowed the fight down he got very patient in this fight which is very unlike him and that's how he beat him. Yeah, right? It's like, can, can you create those set of circumstances that, that make it difficult? He fed him very little information. Yeah, slowed it down. Slowed it down. And like the, one of the worst fights anyone will ever see is uh, Yoel versus Izzy. But like, Yoel didn't, they didn't break form enough for much to happen. But I mean, in doing so, it forced Izzy to have had to take the lead or suffer with the result, which was a boring, relatively close fight. And you could see how Romero could have won because if that fight played out exactly the same way, but in a couple of those rounds, if Romero just came in with some kind of flurry or something to steal the round, then you could have had it be in a close, slow, boring fight that went Romero's way. Yeah, well, if Romero could fight for 25 minutes, how he hits pads, because some of his punching and kicking sequences and, and ducks and pivots, and this is Romero of 20, uh, 2020. I'm not talking about the Romero of 2022 we see in Bellator. That doesn't count. you got to watch that from your memory. <laughs> but think about 2019, 2018 Romero. Um, he's got the, the – Christ, he's also like 45 years old too, if he's not a million. So – Imagine like a younger Romero capable of fighting at that at an explosive pace, but not even just a fully explosive pace, but imagine if he was able to establish a jab, disappear when he wanted to, then find like a big right hand and explode into something. So so who knows? But I think you don't want to say someone who gave such, I don't want to say he gave a, such limited effort, but he didn't give a lot, but he didn't put a lot of information out there. Slow down what you're giving uh, what you're giving Israel Adesanya. Don't give him random shit that you go to over and over again, or he will make you pay for it. He, he just takes in that information too well to throw out random shit. If you love the Southpaw Project, please support us and help us get paid for our labor by financially supporting us on Patreon. It'll help us supplement the cost of running this project, the incredible time and energy we put into it 7 days a week. And you'll be giving us some breathing room, not only to juggle Southpaw with our day jobs, but also to expand Southpaw into other areas. Show your Southpaw solidarity, by supporting us, at patreon.com, slash, southpawpod. Now let's talk about a potential middleweight number one contender fight between Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson. Brunson's last loss is actually to Adesanya. Then he beat Elias Diodoro, Ian Heinish, Edmund Shabazian, Kevin Holland, and Darren Till. Cannonier's last loss was to Whitaker, but since moving to middleweight, he's beaten David Branch, Anderson Silva, Jack Hermanson, and Kelvin Gastelum. Jason, how has Brunson built this resurgence? He's at Sanford now, isn't he? I think I think that has a lot to do with it. He he says that he's addressed his cardio issues, which at least that tells us that he's aware of them, rather than than that that I guess uh, willful. What do you call it? Um, you got that self deceit that it's not an issue, even though you have every video that shows your fights shows in your fight that that cardio is uh is problematic um and also he doesn't fight with his chin as exposed now i say that with a caveat because he always fights with his chin exposed he jumps in like a poor man's vitor belfort with his chin in the air um and i i feel like more people would 
would make him pay for that. Um, but I, I'm not all that sold on Till, Holland, Shabazian, um, or Heinrich and Theodoro. I'm just not. They're they're tough. They're they're tough. But um, you know, I got to go back to Leo Machida for for a win that I think would make me wonder like could this guy be a legitimate title contender um you know i know he's got he's got the wrestling chops he's what a two-time d2 all-american and he's strong and but he, he's like amazingly hittable <laughs> but i think with with cardio being better those unforced errors or those errors of fatigue um, have shown themselves less and less and I know he's a, he's a little more patient uh, and, and fights with a better pace. And I just think he's sort of more aware of himself as a fighter, even in areas he hasn't necessarily improved in. He's not as as obvious in enforcing things that are going to bring about some of his weaknesses. Does he have what it takes to beat Kananir? I mean, I think since they're both like, uh, what, Kananir's 38 or 37 and Brunson is 38. Um, if if we were talking about like a 32 year old cannoneer, I would say probably not. Um, but cannoneer for a guy who's 37 it seems to improve, seems to have improved immensely in his last few fights. But then again, like you're, you, you've seen um, some improvements with with Brunson. But I, I just wonder if that's because of the level of competition. And yes, Shabazz, Shabazzian is good at what he does. Kevin Holland is more flash and flair um, and the audio portion of a fight than, than, than actual fighting much of the time. Um, and Brunson is a strong wrestler, um, knowing that you have to, hey, you got to get good at fighting that or, or find a different sport. I understand that it can be a bit, uh, a bit boring in some people's eyes, but it's a part of the game. And if you get great at that portion of the fight rather than, uh, Dana White saying, no, we don't bring over wrestlers because they don't finish fights. Well, then you're going to have a guy who's got some heavy hands like, uh, like Brunson, who also has a D2 wrestling background where he's a multiple time All-American. And if you haven't fought good wrestlers and, and disposed of them because you haven't had to, then you don't get good at addressing that potential threat. I think the more of those like mediocre guys that can beat you in, with one skill set, they may not be great for the fight fans, but they're better developmentally for some of these guys you expect to be high level. Um, and if if guys like Holland ever want to be that, if guys like Shabazzian ever want to be that, they have to learn to address those shortcomings at some point. But those guys who haven't addressed those shortcomings are the opponents that Brunson has fought. And I think this is a good matchup in Cannoneer. Because Cannoneer's tough, and he looked, uh, I thought he looked really good against Gastelum. I'd have to watch that fight again to just see how good, but I was pretty impressed. Because I'm, I'm one of those guys that is, when, when Kelvin Gastelum is on, I give him uh, a lot of respect. And even when he's off, he's still dangerous. So to see what, uh, what Cannoneer has been able to do at a little bit of an advanced age, fighting out of both stances, but looking more and more defensively responsible and even skilled. In terms of counterattacks uh, from the left-handed position, from the southpaw position, um, I've just been impressed with uh, with Cannoneer. Plus, everything he throws makes that smack sound like smack. Do you feel like Cannoneer has the advantage when it comes to just striking, or if it doesn't go to the ground? Yeah, but <laughs> Cannoneer is so like so heavy with some of his shots. Though his footwork isn't bad, he's able to keep his feet underneath him. When you swing hard you can potentially miss hard. And when you potentially miss hard, a guy like Brunson will run to your hips. And you saw Gastelum. Gastelum got the, the takedown in round five pretty easily just by drawing out a counter on Cannoneer and then just running him to his hips. And Gastelum can wrestle fairly well. Um, actually, he's, been, he's, a, he's a good wrestler, but he's not a wrestler of the caliber of Derek Brunson. So I think those swing hard, miss hard, uh, situations could be could be problematic. Where it might benefit Cannoneer, and I, in my opinion, I think it probably would, is even if in the, the second round, third round, uh, Cannoneer does get taken down by Brunson, he's really good about clearing his hips and getting back to his feet, and Brunson's cardio is shitty. 
You know, anyone that over wrestles and over punches like Brunson does, does tends to have bad cardio. Um, uh, how much they've they've improved that at Sanford remains to be seen. Because um, you're, I don't know, you're fighting Cannoneer this time. You're not fighting Shabazian, and I don't mean to shit all over Shabazian, but he's he's a young kid who has some cardio issues of his own, and he's not a very good wrestler. So when you fight someone who's not as as tailor made, then you know you have a little more problem solving to do. So I'd like to I'd like to think Derek Brunson with the the D two wrestling chops knows how to manage a camp to address those things. And Sanford seems to be as good of camp as good as camp as any in doing that. Um, you know, credit to Cejudo's crew. I think they may they might do that as better than anybody else at this point. But hey, I guess that's why you fight the fight. We'll we'll see. I think one thing that Brunson has improved on is part of the reason why he was so hittable before is that he stands super square and then instead of taking a forward step when he's trying to hit you, he keeps his feet where they are and then he from that square stance, he leans forward. So if you're squared up, right? And then you lean forward, your chin is just going to stick out. It's just the nature of how that works. You need to be slanted so that your chin is behind your shoulder, right? And so he used to do that a lot where he would be square, lean forward with his chin out, trying to reach you with his punches. And then he would be forced to take a stumble step forward. And then he would just start running at you like that, right? After going to Stanford, I think maybe just because he, he's been sparring a lot, he didn't fix his stance problem so much. And he didn't get more defensive per se, but he got more patient. That's what it seems like. And so he doesn't throw himself off balance that much by leaning forward as much. I think he still has the stance problems, the defensive problems but he's more patient. He just got better by getting more patient and not leaning forward. A lot of that came from that. And then from there, he was able to better utilize his wrestling. But then maybe that helps him against uh, Cannoneer, who likes to throw leg kicks. And if you're in a more square stance, you know it's easier for you to pick up your legs and block. So that'll be another interesting part of it is how Brunson uses his wrestling versus what Cannoneer's leg kicks start to do to Derek Brunson. But I think both of them fight from southpaw stance. So that also might be a wrinkle. You know, so I don't know who's going to be better fighting another southpaw or when you have that southpaw versus southpaw matchup. Cannoneer, right? He does both sides, but he does stand southpaw a lot as well. So he's going to bring that wrinkle. Maybe because he switches sides, he's used to fighting people who fight from southpaw. I don't know. Well, that's why I think, and maybe that's my recency bias having watched Cannoneer against Gastelum. Is Gaslam is is a true southpaw, and uh, Cannoneer handled that pressure very well. But he also gave up some easy entries for Gaslam uh, in terms of takedowns later in the fight. If Brunson can get those entries early um, and be better in the top position, it'll be a long it'll be a long night for Cannoneer. It'll be difficult. It'll be difficult for him to win because whenever whenever. Uh, Brunson gets that top position. He can do some damage without getting tired, and he does enough from the top position, um, even in half guard, to to not get the fight for brought back to his feet for stalling or for lack of action. And if they're both southpaw, that entry for the double leg will be actually more available. Yeah, for the for the double leg shooting across across body single leg. If you're lined up same side, same side, it's easier to snatch snatch that snatch single. Yeah, we'll see. I think this is pretty good matchmaking, given given their age, given who they've they've both fought in their last what the last five fights for Cannoneer. He's, he hasn't lost. He's beat Branch, Silva, Hermanson, and he's only losses to Whitaker with a win over Gastelum. So he's looked pretty good. And you look at the five fights that that uh, Brunson has had, and yeah, we we may have talked a little bit uh, of a uh, downward trend in competition, but. Still, these are good fighters in Shabazz and Holland and Jill for his last three. Middleweight is not a deep division. That's the other thing, too. They're fighting fighters who are available, and middleweight isn't the same division it used to be. Like middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight are all getting pretty bad. Yeah, they are. They are. And that's the thing about not bringing in certain guys that are like really strong in, in the wrestling world. Now you have, you have, I don't want to call uh, I don't want to call Brunson a journeyman, but I, for the most part, he is a bit of a gatekeeper, and but his wrestling is really really good. So I, he some of these guys have 
elevated their their um, their ranking by beating guys who aren't great in a certain category. When you do that, it, you become vulnerable to the the Derek Brunsons of the world, right? And you you hope Derek Brunson's cardio still remains a vulnerability for his. Like I think I quoted, I call him a poor man's Vitor Belfort, just running in straight one two one two. But he's doing it, like you said, leaning forward with his shoulder square and his head up. And if you want to watch a masterclass in how not to fight, watch him or watch watch Derek Brunson versus Robert Whitaker. (laughs) Even when he's having success, like it's just all the wrong shit. Like he. He might as well be in a three-point stance and sprinting off the line of scrimmage because his head is up and his, like, his shoulders are forward and he's so face first, so face first. That is the best stance to be if you want to run fast, right? Right. <laughs> it's a great sprinter stance, but it's not so great for not getting punched in the face. Um, but but he wrestles, he wrestles, uh, wrestles so well and he hits hard. You get that like clubbing left hand, uh, and it just it's just odd because it looks like such shit when he throws it that like you you don't want to give it the the credit it really deserves and that's sort of like the beauty and the ugly the ugliness of mixed martial arts is that some of that wild shit mixed in with a skill set like Brunson's wrestling it can be effective and dangerous even if it's technically dog shit um because it can when he misses with that left hand and he slides his face off your counter punch and he falls into your hips well you're going to your butt and if he's able to crawl up and either take your back or sit inside control he's gonna he's gonna lay an s there and he's gonna do some damage for a while or at least uh at least build up some points in the judges scorecards so it makes him a difficult fight that reminded me of something because i mean everybody remembers the way he got ko'd so you just think he was awful in that fight brunson that is against whitaker but he was actually doing okay up until that point. And it reminded me of something about Bobby Knuckles here. In that fight, yeah. Like, Knuckles was having a little bit of problems until Brunson gave him, a like, a gimme KO, right? But then Whitaker also had problems with somebody like Uriah Hall, too. Which, Uriah Hall in that fight kept falling over, right? And so he won that by decision, being on top. So, you could maybe read into this that Robert Whitaker has had a problem with taller fighters, right? Would reach on him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something to consider. Um, when it, cause I don't even know if he is a legit five eleven. <laughs> I just now wonder because Izzy went up though, he did it the right way where he didn't try to put on weight. He just didn't cut weight. Right. But you know, sometimes like fighters go up in weight and then when they come back down, they're a touch slower. And I think against Marvin Vittori, we couldn't tell if he was a touch slower. So if he is a touch slower, I think Whitaker will show that. Yeah. Now, I think people don't seem to understand that the, the Vittori fight with Izzy, the fight was a little bit closer than the story of the scorecards, right? The, I think Izzy won just about every round, but they he didn't run away with any of them. Three takedowns from Vittori, like one takedown, three rounds, I think he could have won. Exactly. And, and why didn't... Why didn't Vittori even think to like? Why didn't he go to the body at all? Like, I I like that you wanted to establish an, a, jab, a jab to the head, but you you corner him against the cage. You don't decide to take a shot, but it's to the point where the lateral movement, the lateral ability of of Izzy is now gone. But you can't hit his head, so you continue to throw multiple jabs until he gets underneath and is able to pivot out of the way after multiple jab attempts. Great for establishing a jab, but you realize it's not a jab contest, no matter what Sean Strickland fucking thinks. Like you're, you're allowed to throw other strikes, and you're also allowed to hit the body. So if the head isn't there, like I thought Vittori's game plan was abysmal at best, uh, but, but still it was a relatively close fight, not necessarily on the judges' scorecards. The rounds were close, though I thought, I thought Izzy had won. I'd have to watch it again, but I think every one. When we were previewing that fight, actually, when everybody was previewing that fight, they were all saying Vittori needs to go to the body. He needs to attack the body because, first of all, he's southpaw, so he has that left middle kick open. But also because Adesanya, he has defensive footwork, but he also relies on his height. So he also uses his trunk to kind of like move out of the way. So his stomach stays in place. His head just keeps moving, right? So everybody was like, 
his stomach will be there. So attack the body. <laughs> I think like he threw maybe three punches to the body in that whole fight. I'm exaggerating here, but it was like really low. And even against Paulo Costa, like Vittori is the headhunter. He does not throw to the body. So I think that still stands. I think that's something that whenever you preview a fight against Israel Adesanya, you have to say something the opponent has to do is attack the body. And I think Whitaker needs to attack the body if he wants to win this fight as well. Yeah, and it's it's hard to attack the body when you're overextended on your lead hand, right? When you lean forward so much, it's real hard to rotate your core and get, and get that. Like for Victoria, it would have been his left straight. So you're overextended or you're missing that shot. But Vittori did a, a better job than I think um, Whitaker did in keeping his feet underneath him. So like Vittori, Vittori missed an opportunity to throw that straight to the body. Whereas Whitaker's fight style never kept him in position to work the body. He was overextended or he was going so big. And it's not like he can throw an overhand right and a left hook to the body. Um, like Aldo does, uh, he was just sort of like because his feet weren't underneath him, so that that secondary punch isn't isn't an option for him. So he needs to maintain his his foot positioning. Those fundamentals are key. And yes, it's worked for him in ten out of his last eleven. But you were fighting Israel Adesanya, who at six foot four, I'll say it again, poses a different set of problems. Problems you have to consider um, specifically to the task at hand. And I hope. The strategy and strategic adjustments are in place this the second time around. You know, you would think because Whitaker is always the shorter fighter, he would attack to the body more. He would fight smaller, right? He would fight like a shorter fighter and attack the body. Like uh, Canelo is always the shortest fighter now in his weight division. So he constantly attacks the body. You would think Whitaker would do that, but he actually doesn't do that. No, no. But Canelo makes up ground, right? And he will stand like nice and tight on the inside. And he can he can fight longer than he is by like, he'll throw a short jab and then a true jab that stings you and then he'll put the, the the two behind it and then immediately shift off the two just shift his shoulders just rotate and bang rip that body and sometimes he'll go overhand to that left hook to the body sometimes he'll go left hook to the body to the overhand so when he makes up those distance the the distance he's still able to throw some power shots on the inside because he's adjusting the angle of his strike. We can get into this, like why MMA fighters can't do it, the risk of knees and elbows and other things, but it doesn't mean some of those rules don't apply. Like Aldo 2.0 has improved his his punching offense because he's adjusted the angle of his strikes when he's worked his way inside. So I think there there is some value there. And maybe, you know, working with Lewis is going to to add a new wrinkle to that skill set. And maybe help him find find the body. I just don't know Lewis's overall like insights as they pertain to mixed martial arts. This might be the first MMA fighter he's ever worked with. So, you know, you don't want your first time working with a boxing trainer to be it's their first time working with an MMA fighter. You don't. You don't. Because the same rules don't necessarily apply, especially when you have a good kicker in front of you. So and we can get in. I mean, there's multiple avenues you can go down and discuss like the some of the shortcomings of boxing for MMA, even though a jab is an incredible weapon, but failure to consider the vulnerabilities to go with that improved um, offensive tool is is a recipe for disaster. So you have to know it. The the I hear all the time, you gotta learn the rules before you break them. Okay. But you also have to learn how the rules are broken whenever you try to apply them towards MMA. It is a different host of problems. And like, I love the beauty of the true skilled, skilled disciplines in and of themselves. But when you add them to a sport like mixed martial art, arts, it can get pretty fucking ugly. So uh, understand it's not always going to be smooth and precise and clean. And yeah, you may not like, like elbows from the clinch or, or calf kicks as a boxing coach. But if you have your fighter stand tall and heavy footed on that lead leg, and you may you may win the first round with nothing but a jab, but if they make that adjustment and you're not able to, then then you don't become an asset to the fighter. You become a liability. But I'd like to think that Lewis, who's been he's been around the the boxing world for a long time, I I don't think that the combination of Whitaker and his team 
would just go, yeah, like, yeah, we'll take every boxing word as gospel, nor do I think Lewis wouldn't be studied enough to, to make some, some compensatory measures. Here's the other thing about knowing the rules before you break them. It also means that just because you can break the rules after you know it doesn't mean you should. Because <laughs> I think a lot of, especially MMA people, they feel like, oh, I know the rules. Now I'm going to constantly break it. It's like, it's still telling you that you should still mostly follow the rules and break it just on occasion or rarely. Sometimes not at all. Just because you can break the rule doesn't mean you should. That's why fundamentals are important, right? It means that you know the rules and what you're supposed to do and it'll save you. That's what they're there for. Yeah, they absolutely are. So they, they are, they are fundamental. They are foundations that, that the, the base of fight sport are predicated upon. So once you can establish them, they're there when you need them. If they become glossed over, um, in favor of like the, the, the pretty wild shit, like a bunch of spin techniques, um, then yeah, that shit's cool and it's it's fun to have, and it's a, it's it's great for your marketability. But basics and fundamentals are what really really wins fights. And you can once you establish them, then you can start adding the funk and flair and doing some really cool shit. But you want to establish them first, and then if you have the the ability and let's like, say the wherewithal mentally to make those reads, then you can do some cool stuff. You also have to have the cardio to back it all up or everything tends to fall apart. But we're looking at a multi-phase, multifaceted sport with the multiple disciplines and mixed martial arts. And those who can sort of create that fundamental mastery and then add to it as opposed to just being like that fun fighter that gets their ass kicked and every time they fight against the top tenor, well, then that's who you'll be forever. You need to start to, to balance it out by burying those and owning those those basics and fundamentals all right well that's our time for today thank you for listening if you like what you heard drop us a five-star review support us on patreon or ko-fi don't forget to listen to all of our other shows catch you all next week